Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Today, we're excited to have a guest joining us, author Shelley Noble. On this episode, we're going to talk about Tiffany Glass and the Paris World's Fair. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you. Hi, I'm glad to be with you today. Um, I always love talking about Tiffany, so let's get on it. I'm excited to have you. All right. Very excited to hear about this. Yeah. But before we dive into the intriguing um, facts, let's hear about what you're drinking today. Well, right now I'm having seltzer, but soon Ooh, I love seltzer. I will mm-hmm. be opening up my new favorite white wine, um, an RP Sancerre. I, I discovered it one week when I went in and said, stop buying the same wine all the time. And so I just <laughs> those three bottles. Two of them were not memorable, but this one was, it's a Sauvignon Blanc grape from the Loire Valley. Ooh, and yum. Dry, but it's crisp and it has body and it's just my yummy. That sounds oh, amazing. That sounds great. It's it's always fun to find a new wine that you love. I agree. That doesn't happen very often for me. No, me either. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Eliza, what are you having today? So today I am having something called the Fabulist. Sometimes Ooh. I'll pick wines based on the cover or cover <laughs> label. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one has an axe on it, which I thought was really interesting. Plus, I love the title, the Fabulist. It is a Tampranillo from the Central Coast. So it has mm. something really interesting on the back. It says... Many misfortunes may befall those of intrepid spirit. The fabulous trust that those who dare face danger with a friend can share the delicious prize in the end. So I'm sharing with you guys. I would lock myself in before I drank it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, today I picked one from a local winery. It's called Fabioli Cellars. Ooh. And this is a reserve Cabernet Franc. And I also sometimes for our pa- podcast will pick out a bottle that has um, an image on the front that kind of resonates with what we might be talking about. And today this one has uh, okay. blue, ooh, I knocked it against the microphone, blue, um, a really pretty azure blue, I guess. And it looks like a window. And I'm thinking, oh, that's the closest thing I have to Tiffany Glass <laughs> right now. So Very I would pretty. pull that one out. <laughs> So now we are going to dive into our questions, Shelley. In your novel, Tiffany Girls, you have written about the glass workers at the legendary Tiffany Glass Company. What inspired you to write about these women? Well, this is one of those times when I actually get to use the word serendipitous. I love that word. I was researching early 20th century psychoanalysis for a historical mystery I was writing. That's so fun. I'm rolling through, and suddenly this article, The Unknown Tiffany Girls of Tiffany Glass. Well, you know, being writers, you have to look at it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did, and this article was amazing. They had just 
had it happened several years before, but about the discovery of letters from Clara Walcott Driscoll, who had written these, well, she was a manager of Tiffany, and so she had written these letters home about working at the Tiffany Glass Company with these 40 women known as the Tiffany Girls. We didn't have any idea about these women until 2007 when these letters were discovered. And it, I just immediately went, I put that in my gonna write this file. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, Shelly, we did this for you. So now you do it for us. And so (laughs) here we are. I love that. That's awesome. I love coming across those interesting facts that just lead to something more Mm -hmm. and spark interest. They're dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Way too much time going, oh, yeah, this one. Oh, and this one, too. Or how about? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Know it well. Uh, the historical rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> um, so women were responsible for a lot of the design and construction of Tiffany's glassworks. So the windows, lamps, and etc. Did you base your characters on any of the women in particular? I did. I gave Clara a point of view, but I only used her in the studio as the conduit between the girls and, and Tiffany and the work. Because I, I've always felt a little skittish about making up stuff about real people. Because you know, maybe they didn't mm-hmm. do it that way. So, base this book takes with place within a year, and so within that year, her letters, I tried to glom what I could from how she would be. And the other two characters are fictional, and I wanted them to be like the every girl. Yes, and then they live in a in a boarding house with several of the other girls. So I try to give these, we kind of know their names now, but do the research to many museum researchers, but we don't know anything about them. So yeah, so I tried. And then I used Tiffany and Alice, uh, Alice Goovey and Agnes Northrup. There were other well-known artists at the time. Yeah. So according to the letters, do we know if they all lived close together in a boarding house or what their living arrangements were? Most of them, they were all fairly young. I mean, there were a few that like lasted, but Mm -hmm. Clara actually says that she thought sometimes they were just waiting to like a train station to, (laughs) till they got married, you know, (laughs) once had to leave. Yeah. But they, a lot of them lived with their families, parents, Mm -hmm. and some lived in boarding houses, some lived in hotel, you know, hotels for working girls. Um, Agnes, who was a, a, a respected artist in her own right, lived, her father was uh, the headmaster at a boys' school out in Queens. So she lived th- at a boys' school most uh-huh. of her life. And oh, wow. She with the company until she, until she retired. They came from Brooklyn. I mean, I, and it was not an easy commute. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, they were all from all walks of life. A lot of them had had some artistic training. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It is. So have you attempted to make any stained glass yourself? And what kind of research did you do to study the glass works that you wrote about? No, not never. I have several <laughs> friends who work in glass and it is a commitment and it yeah. is studio and it is equipment and it's, amazing but you know my last career I was touring all the time now I'm at a desk all the time it takes 
I mean, I know they're kits and things, but no, I do jigsaw puzzles, though. So. Oh, fun. <laughs> You're still kind of fitting pieces together, just like they were yeah, fitting the I mean, They actually did fit pieces yeah. together, just like that, but on huge scale. And what was the second part? Oh, uh, what kind of research did you do to study the glasswork? This book was written during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Northeast, we closed up yeah. and shut down. Mm-hmm. So... I did most of the research online. Now mm-hmm. I I knew Tiffany Glass, and then we don't really know anything about them that I could ask anybody about. So we have Clara's letters, and some of them were available. Some of them had to go later, but fortunately, the museums that have I mean, we have in this area we have some really good museums with Tiffany's work in Queens, the Neustadt mm-hmm. exhibit, and then the Historical Society has the lamps and, and those pieces from the tour that they did after they discovered that they mm-hmm. existed. Fortunately, they all have really good websites, Morse Museum down in Winter Park, Florida. So so this was done in my house for the most part. Then after, and strangely enough, after it was written and second drafted and sent in, I went running off to, to see. Fortunately, I had been a big Tiffany fan way back. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't you know stabbing in the dark. That was right. Yeah. Uh, throughout the novel and with all of your characters, you highlight the differences between men and women and their roles, not only in society, for example, married women couldn't work, but in the artistic realms, like glasswork and cartoon design were even viewed as a man's world where women could work, but not gain credit. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. This was a this is my one of my favorite periods of history, right? Mm-hmm. Before the 1900s, it was strictly Victorian, and the woman's place was in the home, you know. And young women had two choices: marriage or spinsterhood. And then it started changing. Like there were a lot of inventions and 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 more opportunities, and women were saying, "Hey, I want to go to college too, or I want a job, or I want my own bank account, yeah. to be able to use my money." And mm-hmm. so things were really changing. So it was it was volatile. Um, Tiffany, to give him his due, was a little ahead of his time in some ways. He recognized the artistry of women. Now, it wasn't. It was not a black and white time. It was a very fluid, fluid time. And and he hired up to these forty women that changed over the years because he recognized that they did good glass work. They were on an equal par with the men mm-hmm. and had their own divisions. And they did their own kind of thing. Like they blew the glass and they, they did um, the big windows. And the women did some of the big windows, but they were paid equally. They had good working conditions. It wasn't like the garment workers sweatshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. thing was safe, as safe as glass can be. Yeah. <laughs> So they were a little different, but there were other differences too. It was much harder for like Grace, the fictional character who wants to get into journalism, um, to get in as as a single in woman, you know, as any kind of woman, but singularly not as a part of a group. That was much tougher. But there were schools for women. I mean, it was changing. It was changing rapidly. So I I think Tiffany helped move that. He. 
it wasn't he got all the credit. Yes, the men didn't get credit either. The women didn't get credit. Not none of them did. But the Tiffany label went on every item because they wanted to ensure authenticity. Yeah, knockoffs were a big deal in those days. Surprise. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing those fascinating answers with us. Before we get into the next stage of the show, which is one of our favorites, three fun facts, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! All right, we're back. Why don't you tell us three fun facts you discovered during your research? Okay, it was hard. It was hard to get only three, but... Yeah, (laughs) it always is so hard. We could go on forever. This I had no no idea of. You know, you go to Europe and you see all those beautiful 14th and 15th century churches and the incredible mm-hmm. stained glass. All that glass was painted. What? There were only two colors of glass, clear and yellow. And it was, the color was put on the outside and annealed or what, however they did it. It wasn't until, I mean, of course it would, you know, it, advances made, but it wasn't until Tiffany and a certain and a group of people started putting the color inside the glass. That's why it's so much more remarkable than the I old. I did not color. realize that. But I didn't know that either. No idea. Wow. The funny thing about Tiffany, it was so like special that each color had a code. But the code, I mean, a, a, a some algebraic, you know, uh, formula. Right, and, yeah. And so, so for consistency, for consistency, and there were hundreds and hundreds of colors, but each formula had a code, mm-hmm. so that if somehow the formula got stolen, you couldn't use it because you didn't know the code of the formula, and the and that oh, wow. was kept in a safe in the Tiffany in the Tiffany furnace office, and only two people, Tiffany and the manager, had access to it. 
That's how that's incredible. I had no idea. Little weird, yeah. but you know, it was important. And they did other things like they added pebbles, they called it pebble, you know, into and then since the glass was cooled flat, they would like send a spatula through it and make waves. Oh, yeah. It was a huge advance in stained glass. So that is so I'm still so shocked about the painting of the glass. I just never I mean, I've been all over Europe, and I've been into yeah. many churches, and I never even yeah. thought about that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And so the the other thing was that how many people it took to make, like the big stained glass windows, part of the reason I'm sure that he didn't put everybody's name on it. First, you had a designer who made a little picture, photo. Mm-hmm. And a, yeah. No, not a photo, but... The design. The design, you know, and, and a watercolor, probably like a presentation design. And like even for the like for the religious windows, usually a male artist did the central figure and the female artist did all this other stuff, which if you look at the windows are actually the more, in my opinion, the most interesting part of the window. But once that, yeah. that was mm-hmm. added to the woman called a cartoonist who made a full scale picture of a pen and you know a pen and ink drawing of the design, and then cut all those little pieces of glass, which could be mm. up to a thousand pieces. Wow! And wow. he handed it off to the choosers, who would go downstairs to the this huge repository of glass and pick out the colors to match the watercolor. Then they take it all back upstairs, and they would give them to the cutters, who spent all their time cutting glass and breathing in glass particles. Yeah, mm. and then the cutters put it like the pieces on glass and stuck it on the the, the gl- huge piece of glass that would carry it downstairs to the soldering department. So, I mean, it took a village, right? Wow, and, yeah. So that I had never thought about. It makes sense, but I had never thought about that before. And then, oh, the other funny thing was that this book takes place going up to the Paris World's Fair in 1900. It was the largest World's Fair ever in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And so it was Tiffany's big time that he was going to finally be the king. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all get over there. They get to their exhibition space, and it's so dark, they can't see. Oh, and every- no. Yeah, so everybody's freaking out. It's like it's about to start, you know, the grand opening. So <laughs> Tiffany hauls over to Westinghouse and says, hey, could you, like, give me some more light over here? <laughs> I'm sure it was more complicated than that. But they said, yeah, yeah, okay. And so they came and took a few days and like lit his whole exhibition space. That's awesome. But for the grand, but for the grand opening, there was a place called the Palais de Electricité, you know, the <laughs> Palace of Electricity, over 7,000 lights on the outside. Wow. The whole building. For the grand opening, the lights didn't come on. No. So, oh, no. That, oh, my that's gosh. I, I felt so bad. I mean, it was 100 years ago. Yes. I mean, they got it fixed, and it came on a few days later. But I, I thought that was so amazing. So it's such a big deal. It's countries all over the world. Right. And the <laughs> that's so, so awesome. Yeah. That's my three facts. Those were great. Thank you so much for sharing those. We Fun facts are seriously our favorite part. Oh yeah, um, yeah. My favorite part, anybody's favorite part about right? writing this stuff is like, oh no, I got to put Look that. What in. I just discovered, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your book, Tiffany Girls? Well, you know, famous people are great, <laughs> but it's really those uh, those forgotten people, the people that never made a name for themselves, mm-hmm. 
they did their lives that sometimes are the most important or a really important part of history. Yeah. And, and we should really make an attempt to be gracious or gra- have gratitude toward them. And so I did that, I hope, for the, the Tiffany girls. I think you definitely did. <laughs> I had a chance to read an early copy of the book and I really did enjoy it. Well, it sounds like the your characters would resonate with uh, regular people. I think they will, yeah. I hope so. I mean, we're all kind of regular people underneath it all. So, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> in these days, you know, there's a lot that we can relate to that they were going through, too, I think. Yeah, that's true. Well, we are writers, but we are also readers. What are you currently reading? Well, of course, I read nonfiction all the time, mm-hmm. which somehow has gotten the idea that nonfiction is not for fun. I, I heard that on some... What? I love nonfiction. No. <laughs> he said, oh, I, read, I just read such and such, but for fun I read, and it was some fi- fiction. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute, it's all fun. Anyway, yes. I'm reading a book called Free Thinker, which is about right the same period, about a fallen woman from Ohio, Ohio. Mm-hmm how she moves east, changes her name, and becomes one of the most important women in the federal government. Oh, wow. That's kind that of... That sounds really fascinating, yeah. I've never heard of her either, but for fun. But yeah, for, I like that. But I'm reading Library of Legends. You can tell I'm a little behind in my to-be-read list by Janie Chang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really interesting story about the students of the university when Japan bombed China made this thousand mile trek to save their 500 year old collection of, of, of ancient myths. Oh, wow. Text. And it's, it's another one of those. What if this hadn't happened? Right. That sounds yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it, it does. So where can readers find you? <laughs> In front of my desk in my office. ShellyNoble.com, oh. <laughs> Shelly Noble author on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm on Goodreads and BookBub and, you know, the usual places. So that's it. That's All great. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was great. Thanks for having this me. This was a lot of fun. Yes. I'm definitely never going to look at glass the same way again. <laughs> you know, I always love this stuff. And, and it went out of style for a while and everybody put it in their attic. Now suddenly you can't even touch it. <laughs> Right. I'm glad that I rediscovered it. It's really yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did too, and that you're sharing it with everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody feels the same way. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode with guest author Shelley Noble. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of this season's lineup. This month, we have another guest, Holly Smith. We'll also have a special happy hour chat about some of our favorite period historical movies and television shows and a book release celebration for Eliza's starring Adele Astaire. Yay! (laughs) For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers. And happy reading.
Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed.